Good morning, Bridge City Church. How y'all doing this morning? Good? Awesome. Well, if I haven't had the opportunity to introduce myself yet, I'm Pastor Nick, the White Oak Campus Pastor, and I'm so excited you're here with us worshiping God and praising His name. I missed you all last week. I was actually at our North Braddock campus uh, preaching the Word of God there. For those of you that don't know, we are one church in four locations, so you have a bunch of cousins in North Braddock and Murraysville and Brighton Heights that are all meeting currently, right now, and they're all hearing the Word of God. And today's a special Sunday at Bridge City Church. It is what we call uh, a standalone Sunday, and that means today's preaching is not part of a series, it's not a six-week deal, we're coming out of a three-week series that was entitled The Way, The Truth, The Life, that was all about Jesus' statement that he made in John 14, 6. How many of you have remembered John 14, 6 now? The way, the truth, the life, nobody can come to the Father except through me. Look at that, you're all geniuses now, you're remembering the Word of God. But that whole entire series, three weeks of that, and then numerous weeks preparing before that, really impacted me a lot. And it caused me to ask a question. What's next? What's next? Matt Klingen Smith did a great job wrapping up uh, the series and teaching on the life that we have because of Jesus. And, and I think that after Jesus made that statement to the disciples, a lot of them were asking that question. What's next? Jesus was giving them a heads up like, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. I'm not going to be here, but don't worry. I'm going to send you a helper. But they're all still just wondering, what's next? And we live in a culture today that, that we're always asking that question, but in the wrong ways. You got that car that you always wanted. You thought it was going to fulfill you. Now what's next? You got that job that you always thought would fulfill you, and then you have to ask the question, what's next? You got that raise, and you thought more money would, would cause you to feel fulfilled and fix everything that was broken in your life, but then you find yourself asking the question, what's next? Now, we can ask it in a negative way, but I want us to start asking it in a really positive way. What are we supposed to do next? The disciples asked those questions. They were actually pretty fearful that they weren't going to get to walk with Jesus physically anymore. They hid, and then they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then they knew what was next. we got to go spread this around the world. Then Acts happened, the, the early church, and you saw thousands of people getting saved. You saw people getting the gift of the Holy Spirit, and amazing things were happening. Now, I know that we may think, oh, that, well, they just had it planned for them. Jesus gave his life on the cross. He died. He was buried. He resurrected. Then they got the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was easy for them. No, church, they... They didn't have everything that we have. We know what's next. When we meet Jesus, when we meet him at the cross, and we start to live a life because the tomb is empty, live a life that's based on the power of the resurrection, we know what to do next. Start to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit and build his church. And we have a playbook on how to do it. So, 
I have a question for you. If you've met Jesus and he's become the Lord and Savior of your life, what's next? If you've known Jesus for many, many years and you've felt like you've done it all, what's next for you? Maybe you're walking into this place today for the first time and you're like, what is he talking about, this Holy Spirit? What is he talking about walking in the power of the resurrection? I know what's next for you, and it's coming up in a few minutes. But let's turn to Proverbs 3. It's where we're going to start our time together today in the Word of God. And I urge you, if you have your Bible, open it up. Don't just read the screen behind me. Verses 1 and 2. In Proverbs 3, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. It's so easy for us to forget what God has shown us, what God has taught us, what we've learned, what's been spoken over us, spoken over our lives. It's so easy for us to forget those things. And the Word of God tells us to store His commands in our heart. To store them deep within our hearts so that we know when, when things come against us, because things are going to come against you, we know how to react. We know what to do. We don't need to ask the question. I love that noise. You know what that noise is? That's life. That is our... Bridge City kids upstairs worshiping God and having a blast doing it. Okay? I, uh, I love that noise. They can be as loud as they want to. They can jump. They can run around. They can do whatever they want because they're doing it in great joy worshiping God. If you want to know what's going on up there, we'll get you your clearances and you can serve in the kids' ministry. You can invest in the generation of now. They're not the next generation. They were shaking the cross. That's what that noise was. It's pretty cool. Y'all don't do that when you worship. I'm just saying. You know our Bridge City students meet on Wednesday nights, and uh, they meet here at 7 p.m. A great job to our team and everybody. If you haven't noticed, Maria's a part. <laughs> um, they worship their hearts out on Wednesday night. Completely abandoned to God. And we've asked them why they don't do the same thing on Sunday mornings. You know what their answer is? We're scared of what the adults will think of us. Why do they feel that way? because they don't see the adults doing that. We'll talk more about that later. Verse 2, if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. I love the two-letter word, two words in the Bible. We're going to talk about another one here coming up, but if is one of my favorite words in the Bible. You know why? Because it tells us that we'll live a, a rich and satisfying life if we store the commands in our heart, if we don't forget what he's taught us, if 
we walk in everything that God's had for us. Listen, if puts it on you and off of God. So if you feel like you're not experiencing God and everything that he has for you, if you feel like you're not walking that out or experiencing the joy that, that you hear talked about on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights or at your connection group, I'm going to ask you the question, are you doing what the Word of God says? Are you walking in what he's taught you? Do you have his commands stored deeply in your heart? Because listen, it's not on God. It's on you now. Verse 3, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. So what's next? Be a nice person. You know what? I, I was with somebody at a restaurant once. And they had a Bridge City shirt on while I was eating with them. And halfway through, I, the way they treated the waiter, I almost asked them to go to the bathroom and turn their shirt on inside out. Because if we can't be loyal to the people that are in our lives, and that means let our yes be yes and our no be no, if we can't be kind to the people that we love, and the people that we've yet to come to love, we have a problem. It tells us to tie them around our neck as a reminder, our loyalty and our kindness. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. You know, we talk a lot about character. Character is who you truly are. Your reputation is who people merely think you are. And I want God to think that I, I'm, I'm walking this deal out. I want my reputation before God to be way more important to me than my reputation before any of you. It's amazing how as you get a little bit older and a little bit older and a little bit older, how much less you care what people think about you. And it's because you become closer and closer and closer and closer to God. You know, my spiritual grandmother was here during the first worship experience. I don't know her exact age, but she's probably close to 90. She's 85. Phyllis, how old is she? 88. She's pretty close to 90. I don't think Sally cares what you think about her. Not one bit. The only thing she cares about is if you like her cookies, and they're the best pecan tassies in the history of pecan tassies. But the closer we get to Jesus, the less we care what people think about us. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't desire to be of godly character before man. So, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So I have a question for you today. What are you walking through? What are you going through in life right now that you're trying to figure out on your own? 
You're trying to trust your own understanding instead of fully giving it to God. Church, when you let go and let him, I know that's a cliche phrase, but it's true. If you let go and let him take control, amazing things happen. I'm going to be really, really honest with you. Uh, I have the great blessing of, uh, I DJ weddings on the weekends, on Fridays and Saturday nights. I know what you're thinking. Wait, my pastor's a DJ? No, your pastor is a master of ceremonies. (laughs) Jesus loved weddings. I love weddings, okay? I get the opportunity every single year to meet with 25 to 30 brides and grooms and let them know that it's not about the party they're paying me to be at, it's about their marriage. And I want to retire from doing that. In 2022, I'm, in Jesus' name, I do not want to be DJing weddings because I started to supplement my income so that I could work full-time at the church and I'm believing that I'm going to be able to just work full-time at the church. I don't understand how that's going to happen. But I'm not depending on my own understanding. I'm depending on his. And it never fails. When I'm tired and I don't want to be at some of these weddings, God knows exactly that moment. I got to have a 20-minute conversation with a man yesterday. lives in upstate New York. And uh, talked to him for... 20 minutes just about life and about who he was, and I'll I'll give you a mental picture of what this guy looked like. Johnny Depp, I mean, unbuttoned white shirt, black jacket, tattoos everywhere, silver chains, just really like a cool-looking dude, okay? And he knew it. We talked for a little bit, and then we talked later in the evening, and he said, hey, you mentioned that uh, you got to get up really early tomorrow. What do, you, what do you got to get up for? I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm actually a pastor. Uh, I get to get up tomorrow to, to be at church. And he started weeping. He said, I ran away from God years ago. I said, well, run back. <laughs> and he looked at me, smiled a little bit. And I said, why haven't you gone back? He's like, I, you know, I grew up and it just... I ran away. I said, well, you can go back home. And he said, you know, I don't feel like I'd be accepted. He said, I'm all tattooed up, and I don't feel like they would accept me. And at that moment, I said, you should meet my sister-in-law. She's one of our youth leaders <laughs> and, and on our worship team. She has more tattoos than you. And uh, I said, listen, man, just, just, just do it. Just go back. I shared my contact information with them. I shared my, uh, the Bridge City website with them. I said, just listen to some messages online if you're not ready to go to a physical building. I was like, God, God obviously has a plan and wants you back home. I didn't know that that was going to happen at the wedding last night. But when you start to walk out what God has placed within you, and you, you have his commands written on your heart, he'll meet you every single time and give you opportunities to share your faith. So simple. Now, I know we ask the question, what's next, a lot in our life, but I I want to answer the question, what's next for you? 
And it's really simple. I, I like simple things. I said once I'm a simple man, and they, somebody said, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? They're like, you're not stupid. I was like, I didn't say I was stupid. I said, I like things simple. <laughs> Work smart, not hard. And I believe that these four points that God gave me are for you and for us to walk out. So I'm going to explain all four of them to you, and then we're going to unpack them a little bit. The first one is to be with God. Be with God. The second one is talk with God. Now, I could very easily have said pray, have a prayer time with God, but no, I purposely said talk. Can you all say talk for me? Talk. All right, we're going to do it one more time because I think there's a couple people that held back. On three. Talk. All right, we're going to do it one more time because there's still a couple people that haven't done it, Okay. Who was it? <laughs> Hannah, was, that, was it him? <laughs> Tell the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> all right, here we go. There we go. We got all of them. Obviously, you can all speak. Talking with God is just as easy as talking to a friend talking to your father, talking to your mother, to an aunt, to an uncle, to a coworker. You can all talk. I want you to start with just having conversations with God. Just have a conversation with him. And then here's the next part. Listen. This is one of the hardest things for people to do in our culture today is just listen. Remove the distractions and listen. This may sound harsh, and it's okay, because I have a reputation and character of being a big teddy bear. Shut your mouth and listen. Just listen. And the last part here is to thank God. Live a life that's full of thanksgiving. Now, I want to unpack these four statements. Now, when I said just be with God, you probably all just thought, well, it's just a word. Remember I said I love the two-letter words in the Bible? B is quickly becoming one of my favorites. It's taking first place over from if. Does anybody know what type of word B is? B-E. What is it? A verb? You sure? No? We had a teacher in the first worship experience. She was not sure at all. She was so thankful when I said, it is a verb. I looked it up. I love looking up words. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I looked up the word be. I never looked up the definition of be. It's just such a simple word. It's a word that we just use. And to be literally means to exist. To exist. It's not just this little tiny word that connects other parts of the sentence. No, it is a verb that tells us that if we're going to be with God, we must exist in God. Now here's a really mind-blowing part of this word. Here's some synonyms for the word be. You ready? Abide. 
So when I tell you to be with God, that doesn't mean I want you to get your coffee ready and set your Bible out and and get your journal and take an Instagram photo. No, I'm telling you that I want you to abide in God. I want you to live there. I want you to live in the presence of God. When I tell you I want you to be with God, I'm not telling you that I just want you to have a nice coffee time in the morning. No, I'm telling you that I want you to exist because of him. To know that you exist because of him and only him. When I make that simple statement that I'm asking you to be with God, that means I want you to live and have life abundantly. Simple word, be. I'm sorry. God created me to be who I am and I, I said be again and I just started thinking of a song, and I can't get it out of my head now. You all know the song. I can't sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. Nope. Ask me later. I'm being recorded. I'm wearing a wire. When I'm telling you I want you to be with God, I want that to be your life breath. Do you understand that you have breath in your lungs because you get to be in his presence? Because you get to read the word. Because you get to abide in his house all the days of your life and all the days of eternity. Live with him. Joshua 1, verse 9, says, this is my command. Remember, we're supposed to store his commands in our heart. Here we go. We got to store this one in our heart. Everybody said B. B. Strong and courageous. What does that mean? That's where you live. You live in strength and courage. You abide in strength and courage. You exist and you live a lifestyle that oozes strength and courage. Do not be afraid and discouraged. So do not live in fear and discouragement. Do not live in depression and anxiety. Do not abide in being a people that are easily discouraged. Do not breathe that in. So we're supposed to abide in strength and courage and not abide in fear and discouragement. This is interesting. You ready? Strength and courage is our our vacation home. For a lot of us, our permanent residence is fear and discouragement. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I don't know about you, but when I know that the creator of everything, the king of the world, is with me wherever I go, that's strength and courage walking with me. That's power and might. 
I don't want to live in fear and discouragement. And I don't want you all to live there either. I want you to live where God calls us to live. Talk with God. Point two. Have a conversation with him. Mark off time during your day that you're just going to talk with him. And that you're going to give him 100% of your attention. All of it. You know, all those worries, concerns, all that weight that you're carrying, you know what helps that? Letting it out in a really safe place. All of us need a safe place to throw up. I'm serious. And I always tell people, you always want to throw up, not throw down. Throwdowns mean fight. Throw up means giving it to God. What did y'all think it meant? <laughs> oh, you were thinking of regurgitation. <laughs> we all need a safe place to throw up. And I can't think of a safer place than our Father in heaven. All those things that you feel anger about, all those things that you feel fear about, all those things that you feel discouraged about, all that anxiety or depression you may be carrying around, guess where a safe place to store that is? Not in your mind and heart. Give it to him. Talk with him. Psalm 91.15 says, When they call on me, I will answer. When's the last time you called him? My spiritual grandmother, again, she was in the first worship experience, and I know the great joy that comes over her life when I give her a call. She's so excited. So happy to talk to me. So happy to hear my voice. I'm happy to hear hers. And it hit me. I don't call her enough. I don't call her enough, but it led me to ask the question, how much joy does it bring to our, our, our Father in heaven when we talk with him, when we call him? Imagine. Did you ever hear the joke about the old Italian mother who starved for a week? She answered the phone. Her daughter called, and she said, Hi, honey. I said, Mom, what's wrong? She said, I'm really weak. Why are you weak? I haven't eaten. Why haven't you eaten? I didn't want to have food in my mouth just in case you called. That's that old Italian mother guilt trip right there. It's okay to laugh in church, guys. You're okay to do it. That joke bombed. All right, here we go. <laughs> Jeremiah 33, 3, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Remember I said I want to officially retire from being a master of ceremonies for weddings in the Pittsburgh and surrounding areas? I don't know how that's going to happen. But I keep asking him because I believe there's remarkable things to come. I keep talking to him about it. So what are you talking to God about? What are you talking to him about?
What are you submitting before him? If you're not, you got to make the call. A lot of us wait for him to call us. He has called you. He wants you to be in his presence all the time. Now talk with him. Listen to God. This is the, one of the hardest ones for us as people. Listen to him. Still yourself. Remove the distractions completely, wholeheartedly get rid of them. Find that place where you can just be in complete peace and listen to him. I don't know if it, maybe it's you going on a walk. Maybe it's at a park. Maybe it's outside of your house. Maybe it's in your house. Maybe it's in a basement or maybe you have a closet that, you know, is big enough for you to, to, to remove yourself from. I will tell you this. It is not while you're driving to work. It is not while you're driving home. It is not while you're doing the dishes. Here's why I say that. I'm asking you to give him 100% and listen. And if you're telling me that you can do that while you're driving, I will never ride in your car. <laughs> I will never follow you anywhere. I will never let you follow me. I will never ride beside you on the left nor the right. Because if you're saying you can give 100% to something else while you're driving a vehicle, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Here's another one. If you tell me you can give him 100% while you're washing the dishes or loading the dishwasher or emptying the dishwasher, no, you can't, and I will not eat at your home because your dishes aren't clean. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, give him 100%. Remove the distractions. Everything. Here we go. This is what I mean. My watch gives me notifications. Can't have that on. Can't have that on when I'm trying to still myself. My iPad gives me notifications. Can't have that on. Can't have my phone. You know why? Because even if you're reading your Bible on your phone, text messages still come through, calendar alerts still come through, emails still come through, news alerts still come through, Twitter updates still come through, Instagram alerts still come through, Snapchat, TikTok, all these things, they still come through. Whether you like it or not, that little banner will come down on your phone and you're not giving him 100%. Remove the distractions and listen to God. Jesus replied in Luke eleven twenty eight. but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. You're having trouble talking to God? Read his word, shut your mouth and listen, and then see what happens. I don't think I've ever made that statement before. I don't know if I'll ever make it again. It just didn't feel right, but... Read your word, still yourself, and be quiet. <laughs> and see what happens. That sounded better. Shut your mouth just sounds so harsh. It's not me. It's not who I am. Lastly, thank God. Live a life that is full of thanksgiving. If you truly believe in Jesus' statement that he is the way, the truth, the life. We should be overflowing with thanksgiving already. We should be overflowing 
with an understanding of who we are and who he is in our lives. Here's my challenge to you, church. I said earlier that our Bridge City students feel like they can't worship because they don't see the adults worshiping on Sundays. Leads me to believe that we're not fully living a life that's overflowing with thanksgiving. We're living a life that we're staying in concern and fear of what people may think of us. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. I looked up that word, all. It means everything. It doesn't mean be thankful in good circumstances. It doesn't mean be thankful in circumstances that bring joy and not fear. It doesn't say be thankful when you get that raise. It doesn't say be thankful when you get that new job. It doesn't say be thankful when you get a new car. It doesn't say be thankful when you find that spouse. It doesn't say be thankful when you get a puppy. And it's saying be thankful in all circumstances. means be thankful when you get that bad diagnosis. Not for the bad diagnosis, but for the fact that, that you serve a living God that is capable of everything. It means be thankful when you're walking through that financial crisis. Not because you're walking through a financial crisis. It's because you, you're a son or daughter of the king. And when you fully submit to him and walk out his commandments and walk out the things that he's taught you, Great joy is the result. So church, if we're going to say that we're going to walk out these four points and we're going to be with God and we're going to talk with God and we're going to listen to God and we're going to be thankful and live a life that's overflowing with thanksgiving, I want us to have a little heaven practice. We're going to worship our God before we receive communion. You can start getting your communion elements ready, the crackers and, and juice. If you did not receive those elements, you can just raise your hand. The ushers will, will bring them to you. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to take a step forward in worship this morning. I want you to take one step forward in worship. That means if you've never opened your hands to heaven to receive what God is going to give you and give up what you want to give up, I'm challenging you to give it a try. If you've never raised your hands in surrender to God, the Lord of your life, I'm challenging you to do that.
If you've never audibly sang worship, I'm challenging you to do that. If you've never clapped your hands in worship, I'm challenging you to do that. If you've never bowed down on your knees before God in worship and removed the distractions around you, I'm challenging you to do that. If you feel uncomfortable right now because I asked you to open your hands to heaven or lift your hands to heaven or bow your knee to to God or clap your hands in praise or sing audibly, if you are uncomfortable right now, I have really, really shocking news to you. You are not going to like heaven. Heaven ain't for you. You're not going to like it because that's all you're doing every day, all day. So if you're not down with with a little bit of worship, a little bit of heaven practice, heaven's not for you. That's the realization. If we can't experience heaven on earth now, why would we be excited to, to experience then? The God I serve does not tell us to wait until we die to worship Him. Does not tell me until I get to heaven to bow down to Him. Does not say that I have to wait until I'm in my home for eternity to bow down and worship. The God I serve tells me that I'm called to experience heaven here and now. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and you have your communion elements, and I, I want you to receive communion when you feel ready. So I'm not gonna come back up here and say, hey, I want you to grab the crackers and receive that as a remembrance of the body that was given for you. I'm not gonna say it's time to open the juice and drink this as a remembrance of the blood that was shed for you. I want you to receive communion when you feel like you're ready and you've laid everything down at the cross. Communion's a cool word. It's common unity. We need to be in common unity with God and with the people around us. So if you have an issue with somebody in this room, I want you to go lay it down and tell them before you receive communion. If you have an issue with God, I want you to lay it down at the cross before you receive communion. If you feel like you've been holding back in worship, I want you to not hold back anymore. And then I want you to receive communion. Because I do not want the younger generation of this church to hold back because you all are. I don't want Becca Bungard, who has a heart for Jesus that is so contagious, to think she has to hold back in worship because the adults around her do. Kevin and Kim, their nieces, twin girls, Nikki and Kenzie, they don't even come here on Sundays because their parents won't bring them. Worship their hearts out on Wednesday. We're believing that they'll be here. Church, I want us to have some heaven practice. Father God, we come before you. We worship you. 
And God, we want nothing else but you. In the name of Jesus, let's worship you.